Why, why, uh, I didn't want to know. Praise the Lord. But anyway, uh, however you guess this morning, it's good to be in resurrection power. Hallelujah. Uh, pray for me that my voice will hold out. I've been uh, biting this thing. I, had, I was in Mexico in the Bible conference. Incredible, incredible conference. Uh, in their new building, Nogales, Mexico. Million dollar building. They paid for it themselves. And um, there was probably eight or nine hundred uh, in the building, each service, um, downstairs and in the balcony. Just a great, great scene uh, there, and uh, just have a great time there. Uh, so I've been talking about uh, marriage, and I want to uh, do a little introduction, and then uh, maybe uh, I want to move into some new arena. Ephesians 5, 28, 29, I'm going to focus on. And so I've asked each week the question. Uh, during the depression, uh, your grandparents or my parents, they had no money. Depression was terrible. So that meant they, there was no movies, there was no TV, no dates, no eating out, no gifts, no vacations. No Disneyland, no anniversaries. I'm, I can I can remember stories you heard me tell when I was a little boy. I got a pair of socks for Christmas, and remember, my parents a lot of times they didn't give me anything. I remember the year I got a a, a Boy Scout knife, and I thought I died and went to heaven. And uh, but uh, things were very very difficult, and so uh, they didn't have money to uh, go on dates. They didn't have money to eat out. I remember when I was, I mentioned that when I was a kid, we never ate out. And my mother cooked them, and uh, there was no vacations. Um, all the different things that we think many times that are going to be the answer, these aren't evil in themselves. But if you think that's going to be the answer to your marriage, you're sadly mistaken. Some of the, the highest divorce rates in the country are among the wealthy, and of course, Hollywood and all of that. People who have the most money can do the most, uh, what you might think are the most exciting things, have the highest divorce rates. And so, uh, in my estimate, the reason why during the Depression they were so much better at marriage than this generation was two things. One, they had a commitment to each other. And one, they had communication. Uh, I can remember our meals. And my, my mother, there was breakfast at a certain time, lunch at a certain time, evening meal at a certain time. And we were pretty much there. And the whole family was there. And we talked. I didn't get to talk a lot, but I was the youngest. But uh, there was conversation. There was communication. And uh, remember, the whole theme of this is, uh, uh, for this reason, a man and woman shall leave his mother and father, cleave unto his wife, and become one flesh. If you're going to leave and cleave together, the chemistry is love, submission, and respect. If you're going to leave and cleave together, there has to be an openness to cleave. You can't cleave to someone if all the guards are up. You're afraid of getting hurt. If you're, uh, there's no trust, there's no bond. 
And so this is why over and over in our text, actually two-thirds of this text, three times as much does it talk to the man to love his wife as it does to the wife to submit to her husband. Three times as much. <laughs> but husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husband as unto the Lord. And so, uh, love and submission and respect again are the chemistry of intimacy. If you're going to cleave together, there has to be intimacy. This is the aim. The two shall become one, and that is intimacy. Uh, that word actually means to become close, affectionate. It's a personal love relationship. It means to have deep understanding. The quality of being warm, familiar, someone you can trust with a secret. It means to open up a companion, a helpmate, a husband, cling together. And so, uh, uh, this is critical. And so, I want to ask the men, what does it mean to you? I talked about this last week. See how much you remember or, or what your own theology is. Uh, what does it mean to you as a husband? And it says, I want you to love your own wife as the Lord loves the church and gave himself for it. George? A lot of times, like men will complain because their wives don't do this, they don't clean the cook, they don't smear all the stuff. And, I, you know, I, I did a lot of the same things, but when I think about Christ loving the church, I look at how flawed we are as a church. You know, you, you talk, I don't mean the real Christian church, I just mean the body of Christ. I mean, we're, we're back, we backslide, we have attitudes, we fight amongst each other a lot of times, and yet God knew this and He gave Himself for us in spite of all our flaws. And so, when I think about that, and, and, and you know, the way I view my wife, my marriage, is like, I don't love her based on whether she submits to me. I don't love her based on whether she does all the right things. I love her because I chose to love her. That's very good. Sacrificial love is not dependent upon being loved in return. It's not dependent upon your wife's response. And as George said, uh, it's very powerful. Love is a choice and a commitment. Remember what I said at the beginning? How come during the Depression, when they didn't have all of the uh, uh, bells and whistles that we have today, and yet they were much more successful at marriage because they had a commitment? Love is a choice. Love is not just an emotion. If you think love is just an emotion, uh, you're going to have some real surprises in your marriage. There are, times, there are times you don't feel like loving. Love is not a choice. God so loved you. He, I mean, love is a choice. Love is, is not an emotion. Love is a choice. And there is emotions. I'm not saying there's not feelings. But Christ loved you while you were a sinner. Died for you. When you were unperfected, when you had flaws, and warts and whistles and all kinds of things wrong with you. And so love is a commitment. And that is pretty much only possible if God's love lives in you. 
Love is not based on their response. Okay. What else? What else does uh, husband love your wife like Christ loved the church? And they, what does that mean to you? Some, another, any other husband willing to step out in the water? Uh, yeah, we got. We need another someone besides the roses. Here. They only have one rose. Russ. So love has a link. Love communicates. Uh, again, you got to talk. Uh, there has to be communication there. And uh, there's a language to love. Love isn't blaming her. Love isn't talking down to her. Love isn't overriding her. Love isn't uh, this uh, uh, make her feel stupid. Uh, love uh, respects. And love, there's a language. Uh, how do you speak? When to speak? The tone of your voice. Uh, when Christ, uh, and, and it's also, uh, maybe someone will hit it. There's a, there's a powerful aspect to the love of Christ. Uh, love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself. What does that mean? Love is what? Sacrificial or selfless. It's selfless. That means uh, you're going to have to die. Self is going to have to die for you to love like this. So what does that mean? What does that mean? That uh, in, in the arena of marriage and life, um, when I say love is selfless, what does that mean to you? Anybody? What does that mean to you? Dan? Blackie's not sitting there. Go for it. No. What I've come to realize is that you're not going to do everything you want to do. Okay? So, so it yields. Sacrificial love yields in life. It takes into consideration the wife, her feelings, her desires, things she might want to do. And it loves her in all seasons. Listen. Women have seasons. They can have uh, spring, winter, fall, summer, in one day. It's in them. They have, and that means you're going to love them in all of the Christ loved you when you were in spring, summer, fall, winter, and Halloween. Praise the Lord. Amen. So it, 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 it's it's love is 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 it's all it's it's understanding and embracing your wife in all seasons. That's love. It died. Jesus didn't just walk away from you because you disappointed him. He didn't trade you in because you didn't measure up. All of those things, love. Love has a language. Love is selfless. 
And love fights against its own nature of selfishness and etc. And so, okay, I want to move on. I want to try to cover a little ground. Let's look at verse 28 and 29 of our text. Ephesians 5, 28 and 29. And remember, the aim is intimacy. And the question again is why during the depression, no movies, no TV, no eating out, no gifts, no Disneyland, no vacation, no many things that we think are critical to marriage, why during the depression did they do such a better job than this generation does with all the bells and whistles? And so it's because you've got to do it the Bible way. If you're going to cleave together, there has to be the chemistry of love, submission, and respect. We've been focusing pretty much on love. I want to read Ephesians 5, 28 and 29. And in this, as I said, uh, Paul gave much more emphasis, three to one, on the husband loving the wife and the wife submitting to the husband. Ephesians 5, verse 28 and 29. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Their own physical body. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. And again, just as the Lord does the church. So, uh, Husbands, you ought to love your wives as your own body. He loves his wife, loves himself. So I want to make a few statements. I can tell what you think about yourself by how you treat your wife. If you really want to know what you think about yourself, just take a good look at how you treat your wife. When you speak to your spouse, you're actually speaking to yourself. Two have become one. What you say to your wife is a direct reflection on what you really think about you. That's what that text is saying. Husband, I want you to love your wife the way you love your own self or your own flesh. I want you, how you view yourself is going to very much be reflected in how you treat your wife. The respect you have for yourself. That's why this is so critical that you have Christ in your life and the love of God begins to move in your life. But what you, how you talk to her, really you're speaking it to yourself. The two have become one flesh. Okay. A man who beats his wife. I've had a few of those over the years. And in every case... The man who beats his wife doesn't like himself. He's always trying to prove himself. He's a man of low self-esteem. He's always mad and angry with his wife because he's mad and angry with himself. Something in his past has not been forgiven, and he's disappointed in himself, and that's why he treats his wife that way. Paul is saying in this text, when a husband approaches his wife, he is acting out how he feels about himself. Husband, I want you to know 
what you really feel about yourself, if you want to know what you really feel about yourself, please take a close look about how you treat your wife. How you talk to your wife really is about you talking to you. Do you love her? Or is there disres- do you disrespect her? Do you override her? Are you angry? Are you abusive? You never listen. You put her down. You insult her. You make jokes at her expense. There's no appreciation. There's no thanksgiving. There's no appreciation. No kindness. No love. Always blaming. No gratitude. No nurturing. No healing the spots. Remember earlier he said, when you love your wife, the blemishes and spots begin. Everything is her fault. But really what you're saying, that's what I think about this. I want you to love your wife, and a lot of translations say, as you love yourself, as you respect yourself, as you value yourself. Low self-esteem, and uh, condemnation. The devil beats you to death with condemnation. Begins to compute out in how you treat your wife. First Peter three seven. If someone would get that for me quickly, I need uh, someone to get that. First Peter three seven. I pray would you get that. First Peter three seven. Do you treat your wife? as the most valuable person in your life. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about Jesus. Does your wife have this incredible worth to you? Or is she always the one that catches and has to hear your frustration, your rage, your upset, your issues? Do you come home and dump garbage on her? Would you do that to yourself? Would you would you come home and just dump on yourself? He said, husband, I want you to love your wife as you love your own body. For no one, no man ever yet hated his own body. So what he's saying is how you speak to her, how you treat her, how you value her is really a reflection of how you treat or value yourself. Any uh, uh, ideas? Oh, I was, I, that must have been God. So I need a volunteer to bring us a, fin- a male, male to bring his finger up here. And just lay it up here. And um, just, just, just lay it right here. And, uh, oh, I missed. Oh, uh, but uh, how many men would do that to themselves? How many men really would? That's what he said. How, how many men would do that to themselves on purpose? Might accidentally hit your finger. But uh, do you uh, say you're out building something and it's not going well? Do you just hold your finger up and smash it two or three times? Now, if you're saying you don't, I, I know guys that have got angry and maybe bashed some wood or something. But um, uh, he, and it's said, how you treat him? Why? Really, when you're doing that, he said you wouldn't do that. Why? 
There's something wrong. There's something wrong in your love. Okay, let's let's stop for a moment and see if you have any uh, questions, any input, uh, etc. Anyone? Men, especially. I'm looking for men. What, so, what does this mean? I want you to love your wife like you love yourself. Fred? You know, this is kind of funny. I've always had a shoe fetish. A what? A shoe fetish. Shoes. You like shoes? Yeah, always. It's a black thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't believe me, ask Stacy. That's why I got some black in me. I like yeah, shoes. I got it. <laughs> you got it honest. I got it honest. <laughs> um, and you know, uh, uh, trying to make this real quick and simple, uh, Alicia, Alicia, uh, you know, she didn't really have a shoe fetish. She never really. Uh, got into a lot of the dress and uh, uh, having the different things, you know, like a lot of jewelry and different things. She's very simple, very, very common. But she liked my things. But as as, yeah, as, as time grew on, as time grew on, and, you know, she used to always tell me, why do you buy so many shoes? Why do you buy so many shoes? You know, so now she's developed a shoe fetish. Yeah. So now I have to, and, and I do it out of love anyway. If I buy myself something, referring to shoes, I've got to go make it. And I have to actually get hers first. Oh, you do? Oh, that's good. That's good. Praise the Lord. Amen. And that, uh, that's my next point. Amen. What you have, you're going to give to her. Your fetish became hers. Amen. And so any uh, anyone else in the back, uh, married especially? Nick? I could just say one thing that helped me and my wife is forgiving each other. Yep. Talking to each other. And when I first got saved, just everything that I met, I, I wouldn't want to talk to her. I go forgive you for everything. And just not staying mad at each other. Now let not the sun go down on your wrath, and and love forgives, just like Christ forgives your love. Love forgives, love forgives. Amen. And so, um, in our text, verse twenty nine, he goes on. No man ever hated his own flesh. You got it up on the board. Verse twenty nine. No man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does. The church. And so he's reaffirming what he already said. No one in his right mind hates his own flesh. He's got some deep psychological issues. Think about your flesh. You, when you're hungry, you eat. That's your fasting. You sleep, you bathe. Your body hurts immediately. You're concerned. You get a toothache, headache. Immediately, you're concerned. Most people are very aware of their own flesh, how it feels, and how it looks. Spend billions health centers, health foods, diets, machines. 
heels, nails, hair, clothes. Now the question, do you love your wife like that? Are you that alert, that concerned, when she hurts? You get a toothache, headache, any kind of ache. Some people, they, I mean, they, they love the doctors. And I understand, you know, sometimes you've got to have doctors. I'm not saying that. But they're talking today, the psychology in America, just like these pharmacies that are opening on every corner. I mean, they're, they're, they're multiplying like rabbits. Well, there's a reason. They're making big money off a lot of people my age. And so... Do you blame your own flesh? As I did it? Do you take a hammer and hit your finger when things don't go your way? What he said. No man ever hated his own. He nourishes and cherishes it. So when your body cries out with the need, sometimes. No amount of money is too much to meet that need. No amount of money, no amount of time, no whatever it takes to get my body well, whatever it takes to get rid of this pain. I don't care how much it costs. I, this is priority. This is priority. Let me ask you. Let me ask you, husband. Do you love your wife like that? That when she has a pain, now I'm not talking about being a pain, I'm talking about how she is a pain. When she has a pain, when she has a need, she's crying out for your attention. She's begging you to listen to her. She's heard it. I'm going through these seasons that I have briefly mentioned. Do you pay that same attention to her? And two things that the husband now. Begins because you love her the way you said two things begin to happen in your wife. The Greek word to this nourish is very interesting. He, but nourish and cherish. This word nourish is an interesting word. It means to bring up, to bring to maturity, to lead. You nourishing is your shaping who she is becoming. You lead her into truth as an example of love. This begins to bring her to a place of, of dignity and poise, grace and confidence because of how you love her, how you speak to her, how you treat her, how you value her. The attention you give her. She begins to 
mature. She begins to grow. She be, it, she puts shape into something. It's like roses. I was really into roses a few years ago. I still have a couple of uh, plants. And in January, you got to prune them and uh, cut them back for some stalks. And you got to fertilize them in water. You've got to watch for the aphids and black spot and all kinds of stuff. But they take a lot of care. Sherry's nodding her head. She gave up. She, she heard me talk about roses. She said, I'm going to try them. They take a lot of care. But all when you take care of them, those, those buds, man, they pop. And the leaves are a vibrant green. I mean, they're, they're, they're filled with, with life and luster. And then those flowers, the colors, and the bloom. If you've ever seen a roses, if you've ever been to a rose garden or somewhere, I mean, were they really, that's your wife? That's your wife. That's what that means to nourish. Nourish her. You're covering her. You're her spiritual leader. You're not some spiritual baby where your wife is having to push you to church. She's having to plead with you to read your Bible. Father, this is going to be bad. You can give your child a Harvard education. But if you fail to teach Christ at home, you fail. You can give them the finest education money can buy. But if you fail, that's what that means to nourish. You're demonstrating Christ at home. You're making sure you're imparting to your wife and children as the priest of the home, they look at you and they get a revelation that causes maturity and responsibility and a love for God. And again, she will not have a problem if she's got any kind of Jesus in her submitting to that kind of love. Submitting to a love that saves her and causes her to blossom and bloom and gain confidence and dignity and self-esteem and grace in life. He will have some problems submitting, but we're going to get to that in the next week or two. But it's much easier. You're protecting her. You're teaching and demonstrating moral values the Bible is alive at home to your wife and your children. Husband, love your wife like Christ loved the church, gave himself for it. Husband, no one ever yet hated his own body. Love your wife like you love yourself. Nourish and cherish. You lead her in paths of righteousness. You lead her in, in moral decisions, righteous decisions, godly decisions, by your example, by your care for her, by your nurturing of her. Yes, dear. 
I was going to say, um, I've been, I haven't been married that long. I've been, me and my wife were born on uh, seven years or six years. Um, and I don't know, I don't know everything, but uh, what I do know is uh, last year, um, I went through one of the hardest times that I've ever gone through. Um, I was contemplating backsliding. I was driving on my way to Houston. I have unsafe family out there and, and different things like that. And I remember I had turned in my keys uh, for door director, and I was just going through a lot. And um, I just felt the weight just of, of being in ministry. And, and ultimately, I just had to make up my mind that this is what I want to do. This is what I want to live for. Uh, but in saying that, I, I believe um, as a, as a when you when you first get saved and you get in, into church and things like that, you're running. We got a lot of disciples. And we want to we want to be door director. We want to you know we want to serve. We want to be a blessing. But once you get married, um, I really believe you have to learn how to how to juggle everything. But at the same time, you you, you have to get your wife involved. And, and so I went. Um, I'd say four years. The first four years of my marriage, just doing everything on my own. Um, you know, um, like Pastor Dillard calls it, calls it kingdom business. You tell my wife it's kingdom business. You know, we're at the church. We're building stuff. We're laboring. We're doing this. We're doing that. And it really was wasn't until I actually sat down with my wife and, and let her speak and let her let her speak to me. Um, she just wants to be a part of the team. Um, and so I I, I, can, I I look at it as, as the sports. As I grew up in sports and things like that. And I remember being a freshman in the locker room um, with all the guys and stuff. You just want to fit in. You know. You just want to be a part of the team. And um, here as a church, a big church. I just want to say for the young, younger disciples, a lot of guys getting married. Uh, we get involved. There's tons of stuff to do for the men. Um, but your wife, she just wants to be a part of the team. And I really believe if you if you let her get on board with you, let her. Um, we had this family fun day. I let her go over the stuff the women were going to do, you know, get involved in the concession stand. And just let her be a part of the team. It'll be so much easier for you. Amen. Sure. Lord, I'm proud of you, Junior. You're growing up. Amen. Um, no experience in life is wasted if you learn from it. You don't believe me, Wisconsin. Beat Kentucky last night. Because last year they lost by one point. Last year they lost by one point. They come back last night, and that was the team. And the defense killed them. I had five minutes. And, uh, you know, 24 seconds you got to shoot. The 24, bam, 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 bam. They came in the air ball, air ball, that's right. But um, it's very true that one of the sessions I did in the in the Jewish history, the first year, uh, the husband and the wife, the husband didn't do nothing. Remember we talked about that in two or three sessions ago. The husband, the first year, he didn't work. Praise the Lord, you say. And they, we didn't have any. He, him and his wife spent the first year to leave and cleave and get to intimacy, get to know each other. And we know that's not possible, but it's so true. You and your wife need to do things together. Do things together. Do things together. Uh, I encourage you. I mean, they have a women's trip, and that's, that's fine. But do things with your husband. Do things with your husband. Amen. Don't don't just grab uh, uh, some frustrated wives and run off somewhere. Uh, you get in trouble. Amen. 
do things with, with your husband as a family. And, and, and again, during the Depression, they didn't have money to go somewhere. It wasn't always some anniversary or holiday or go, we got to go there, we got to do this. But they, it's wonderful if you have, like Russ said, if every day there's a time you can talk and focus on each other. And so, no man, he said, love your wife like you love yourself. And I talked about, you, they spend billions on ourselves. Machines and, and diets and pills and, and uh, uh, fitness. And it's unending, the money we spend on ourselves. And, and he said, no man ever yet, but he nourishes his wife. This word is an incredible word. He brings her to maturity by how he speaks to her, how he treats her with dignity, with love, with respect. He values her opinion. He wants her to be a part of his life. To leave and cleave, you have to love your wife like this. And I know we're not perfect. I've not, I've never fulfilled that. But Connie and I had a commitment. And we rode through the winter months and the difficult times. But, excuse me, had a horrible week, physically. Let me see if I can get through this. And then uh, he says, nourish her. And he says, cherish her. This means to brood over her like a mother's hen with her chicks. Same thought as the Spirit of the Lord hovered in Genesis 1, over that which was about form and void, and it was instrumental in bringing life. A husband, when he loves his wife, he brings a spiritual dimension to his wife. Nourishes her. Cherishes her. In other words, he makes deposits in her. The problem in the garden, Eve gave to Adam when he should have been giving to her. He did not nourish her with the Word of God at a critical time, and so she nourished him with the forbidden. And he brought the curse. You must nourish and cherish you make this this deposit in her. You hover. It, it, it's like a there's a there's a covering over your home when you love like this with the love of Christ. There's a protection. She feels secure. She feels confident. She'll follow you anywhere in the world. She'll walk with you. And when you do this. It's not very difficult for her to submit because she's nurturing and blossoming and growing and maturing and coming into her place under that kind of umbrella of love. And he said, this is what you do to your own body. When you're hungry, you eat. When you are tired, you sleep. You want clothes, you go buy them, you you do all kinds, as I mentioned, 
Uh, you're hurting. What do you do? First thing you do is you want to, you got a headache, toothache. Yeah, you want, I'm going to get this pain. Well, when your wife is hurting, when she has a pain or an ache, you have to love her. This gives her value, significance, purpose. He says all of this as the Lord does the church. You know what? You read the, read about what Jesus had to say about the church. You tell your wife what she means to you. You tell your wife how much you love her. You tell her how great. This is what when you read the Bible. This is what Jesus speaks over you and I. How valuable He died for you. I talked last week. Oh, that's in my that's in my sermon this morning. Sorry. And talk about that and about the cross a little bit this morning. But, but, praise the Lord. We need to stop, I guess. Maybe we need to stop. Okay, pick it up next week. Any, any pertinent question, any life shattering statement you want to make? You're talking about how you love uh, um, your wife, loves you. Every time I come home from work, I could see the patience that she had for me. You know, I could see I work with the concentration of a project that I got to get done and side of work and stuff like that. But her patience that she has for me when I get home, it, it tells me a lot. You know, that she loves me, she's there waiting for me. And I'm sometimes so eager to finish something at home or at work that it makes me realize that I got to be patient too. That I got to be focused, my patient on her too. So. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you're going to leave and cleave, next week we may talk about intimacy. Leaving and cleaving. Praise the Lord. God bless.